Alrighty, we've got the Sports Gadget Podcast back for another one. We're going to be talking a bit of bit of football this time. The round ball type, not the pigskin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> some people need clarification sometimes. Um, so I've got Shay here again. Um, what a resident Arsenal fan. <laughs> didn't need to say that. Yeah, well, I just, I, just <laughs> have, I have to lay the base very clear, and obviously, I'm a Liverpool fan. So then, everyone knows where our biases are, and and then where our general like mindset is, which is why. Well, actually, we're probably both in a similar boat because I'm just like, I'm used to living. I thought you might be more catatonic today after the result, but... No, like, (laughs) we're one point behind, like, probably the greatest Premier League team of all time, so, like... Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, um, but say what you got to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, (laughs) I guess we can just start straight off with that. Yeah, like, I was... I punched the couch a couple of times when... Because Salah had one of his, like, worst games in a red shirt this morning, like, just... Touch, touch of a, uh, um, I was going to say touch of something bad, but just a bad touch. <laughs> <laughs> Donkey touch. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with something a little bit more uh, vanilla. Um, I was going to say, I was going to say the t- touch of Robert Kraft in Florida, but. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Wow, the Patriots fan brought it up. It uh, I, I think it's, I think, point, I think it's hilarious because Robert Kraft lost his mind a good five years ago. So it's just, it's just. The, the situation behind it's not hilarious, but Robert Kraft just being somehow involved in it, I, I think, yeah. without him knowing. Anyway, back to the uh, subject at hand. Hopefully yes. you didn't know, but yeah. Yeah, let's never talk about that. I mean, I don't <laughs> want to waste their time on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Salah, Salah, yeah, had had a bad game with bad touches. <laughs> and uh, he had, like, he, he, he was through on goal twice and, you know, just, you know, the, the shot itself, you know, whatever. But he, it was just his touch would, took him away from goal. All that happened, Fabinho. I mean, he's a defensive midfielder that's actually been one of our best signings in a couple of years. I think he had a chance that just you know got taken away from him, and then def- Everton was just organised. So it's, it is what it is. It's a derby away from home, and um, tough people, derby. Yeah. yeah, and you know, people sometimes d- probably don't give that derby enough credit because Everton are never uh, in the discussion as a major powerhouse, but that 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 derby means a lot to the you know. I've been to Liverpool. As it should, yeah. Yeah, I've been to Liverpool a couple of times now, and you can see, uh, like we did the tour last time of the new stand and whatever, and there's, you can at the, at the in the stand you can see Goodison Park from there, like very clearly because exactly. they're, they're, they're a yeah. mile apart, and uh, and apparently you could see the Anfield from Everton, Everton's ground until, and this is what someone told me at Anfield when I was there, they actually built they put a big screen up on the side just so their fans didn't have to see Anfield while they're at the ground. That's <laughs> a, so that's the level of that's neat. Fantastic. That's, that's the level of like rivalry we're at. So it's a tough game. And, you know, the Everton, um, you know, it's funny. Um, yeah. Before this game, Silver made a joke about how we celebrated the Origi winner, like it was a world cup final. And then um, Everton fans were all celebrating a draw, like it was the world cup final. So, you know, it, it is what it is. In it the, was their world yeah. cup final though. In the great, in the yeah, it was. I mean, if if we lose the title by a point, then they they'll all say that it's, it was them. Even though West Ham fans can say the same thing, like whoever's taking a point off us can say it. So, um, in the greater context context of the league race, it does suck because we did have a bit of a lead a while ago. But everyone's saying ten points at, on December thirtieth, I believe. It might have been, but I think that was when City had a game in hand. Uh, they had yeah. A game in yeah. Hand. So like Still yeah, fifty four forty four. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does suck. But then, so a lot of people are saying, like Twitter obviously lost its mind after the game this morning. Um, Klopp sucks. Salah's shit. Um, Klopp doesn't know what he's doing. It's always funny when someone that's sitting in their underwear gets on Twitter and says that. You know, I mean, I understand because I was frustrated with some of the substitutions. Doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> well, I, I generally take a moment. I sit there and go, I try to just take a minute before I tweet out my thoughts if I'm going to do it. Musa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so while we were 10 points ahead, we got 10 points ahead through an incredible run where we won just game after game really? after game. Um, there was a little bit of luck involved. Like that Origi winner is one of my favorite moments ever as a Liverpool fan. I've been a Liverpool fan for a Absolutely fair while. Absolutely insane. Moment. But it was just, it was so stupid. But that game should have been, that, <laughs> that game should have been two points dropped, obviously, because that's just a pure moment in of time that just will never be repeated. Um, a footy moment. Yeah. Um, we beat United 3 1, and we deserve to, but they had still the two goals that we got at the end to beat them were uh, Shakiri shots that just got deflected in. So there's they there was, win it. yeah, and f- football is like that. There's elements of luck throughout a season that get you to being a title winner, and at the end of the That's year, why I love it. Yeah, um, so we like Gerard slipping so long ago. That was just a football moment. That, yeah, like, that still makes me like have. Sorry, I did not mean to bring that up. Yeah. I guess my question for you is, what have you seen that has made the difference between the Liverpool team that was up ten points at the the new year to now? To being in a back in a title race, I guess. Um, well, uh, it, it's essentially just the front line, I think. Um, and there's a little bit of a, you know, our midfield's still not the best. Like Henderson and Wijnaldum and uh, Milner, which has been on the midfield a lot. Fabinho's <laughs> come in a lot the last couple of months. I think there's a few things. Cater hasn't. Cater, I think, will come good, but he's obviously struggled to adapt. Um, we were expecting a lot more out of him, obviously. He was meant to be one of the main guys from the start of the season, I think, because he did start the first few games, then he kind of got phased out a bit. So it's midfield a little bit because you've got a lot of guys that uh, sit a bit deeper rather than, you know, whereas City City essentially play with just a bunch of number 10s and just yeah, and just yeah. absolutely assault Wonder you. But, but, uh, but they're, they're very good as well, so they can track back and whatever. But, um, yeah, it's a bit of midfield. And it's obviously... Uh, uh, we've had, a, you know, Firmino's been in and out of form and teams are... Really? And Salah's still having a great year. Like, he's up there in the top scorers, but he's not having the year he had last year because obviously teams are defending him off, off his often very, like, very tight man-to-man or, there's, you know, there's two more like today. Often when Everton could, they got a t- two across. And so there is a little bit of uh, just working out how to break down teams. And, you know, Everton, you know, and again, they're not, they're a tough away. Same with the United away last week. We should have probably beaten United, but that's a, obviously a tough away that doesn't even need to be said. So, um, yeah, I'm hoping Arsenal catches them this week when they're just, you know, a little downtrodden from just the run of play. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I um, guess. So, yeah. It's, it's, did you expect to be in this position, I guess? I mean, on our NBA podcast that we just did, we talked about how fans have – you know, you always have hope. Yeah. And I can't imagine, obviously, during my fandom, Arsenal has never been up 10 points in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> or even 7 points, for that matter. Yeah. Um. Well, I said it at Christmas, because we were top at Christmas, and then everything came out about how every team that's been top at Christmas has won the league, apart from the two times Liverpool has. And that's what I said <laughs> oh, to everyone. No. I No, I've had a couple of friends that said, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're going great. And I said, no, just just don't, because I'm, I'm so... I'm an optimist, like I like I said, we always have hope, but I'm also incredibly pessimistic that until it happens, I expect it not to happen. So, of course, yeah, of yeah. course. And at that point, we still had City to play, so I knew that that result. And once we, they beat us, even in a game that we played really well, like it was just a good top of the table clash. That was a, that was a gnarly game. Yeah. yeah. Um, as soon as they beat us, I knew that that little bit of confidence they dragged us back a bit. Then we were back in a title race and. 
and it was only going to take a couple of drop points and we did you know Leicester game was stupid because it was just such shitty conditions and then the West Ham game was just West Ham really that team that can do that sometimes so yeah oh um, yeah they've done it to everybody I mean they yeah. beat Arsenal scrappy 1-0 game this year uh they beat really they beat United three one or three nil. I can't remember. They smashed United earlier in the year. That was Mourinho. I really United, like. But... I have a big soft spot for West Ham because Port like Portland as a city is super into West Ham because mm. of the punk scene. Yeah, like all the punk guys like West Ham. Like, so I have a soft spot for them. But and I love that they're just ruining all the perennial powerhouses seasons because like when Arsenal lost to them one to nothing, I was just like. I can't believe this. There's no way we're making top four now. Yeah. Like that's how big of a deal it is, and they've done it to everybody else. Though it feels like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even um, I mean, City beat them the other day, but it was only one nil, and I didn't watch the game, so I don't know how it flowed. But you know, I mean, they're, they're it, was, a, it took them a while. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're what you call a tough out in um in baseball. <laughs> yeah, scrappy. Yeah. So, you know, um, if if you told me at the start of the year because that we'd be one point behind City with nine games to go, I'd be like, fuck yeah, bring, bring it on. So yeah. the, the context yeah. of the season sucks because we've let a lead slip, but I think I said on Twitter, or was that one that I thought about sending but didn't send? I think I said that we had an incredible start and we've regressed to the mean a little bit and now we're one point behind one of the greatest teams of all time. So we're just, you know, our start of the season was amazing and we only drew one out of the first, I can't remember what it was, but we would, you know, we're undefeated until we played City that second time as well. So... Yeah, I, I'm disappointed, but I'm not. I'm kind of a bit more pragmatic about it. I think if we don't win the title, uh, hopefully, I think you know Klopp. I assume is in for the long run, or at least for a few more years. Uh, we've got a base of players that have all signed long-term contracts. You know, Salah's on, Firmino and Mane signed on this year for extended, and Salah's obviously only year two. The front will be the same. Yeah, and then okay. and added, added defenders. You know. Allison's on for five or six years. Uh, Van Dyke's only a year and a half into it, five years. Gomez um, signed for five years, four or five years recently. So everyone's uh, Robertson, Alexander Arnold as well. So essentially, our starting eleven that we want are signed on, and I think we just need to improve in midfield, and we'll be back there again. So I don't feel like, you know, I'm just that used to losing that it'll be heartbreaking to lose again. But at least I feel optimistic about the future. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's it, a, I, I do wonder what um, not only drawing Bayern did for the psyche of the team mm-hmm. in the round of 16, but also just playing to that nil-nil draw, which was, you know, as, as you saw, it was, you know, a battle. Yeah. I wonder what, what that has done to their psyche as a as a group, maybe, after being so close to winning the Champions League last year. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I mean, having, being against Bayern, like Bayern's the... Munich coming to Anfield is what you want is where you want to be as a club. Like if you're in that stratosphere and you're in a title race and you've got Munich coming to Anfield, it's good. So I don't know. I think the psyche, I, yeah, psyche of the team. I think. Look, I think they're probably going to be a little bit more. There's going to certainly, you know, Raheem Sterling came out recently and there was a lot of Liverpool fans bagging in the interview, but I understood what he meant. He said that the pressure that he felt when he was at Liverpool in 2014 in that title run, he said it's just unreal. The fans put such pressure on you, whereas at at City he doesn't feel the pressure and. There was a few of those, um, you know, sarcastic remarks from Liverpool fans saying, "Well, yeah, well, yeah, you've got two hundred billion dollars of oil money behind you, and then you have no fans either." So, there's not, <laughs> no, <laughs> so the pressure's not as much, and there is this element of truth to that, considering City still don't quite sell out Champions League games sometimes. So, but that is not that's so weird. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. But I mean, they are the little brother club, and 
I was talking to um, a former member of the pod. I would call him an enemy of the pod now. Nate, a <laughs> Liverpool fan, who um, was confused why I was rooting for City to win the title. Um, not really rooting for them, but you know that's who I would prefer to have them win the title. And he's like, I can't believe you'd like City. And I'm like, man, Manchester City has never done anything to Arsenal. You know, all the other big clubs that we're in the running with Liverpool, United, Chelsea, they all have history just like Arsenal. City City is like a dust in the wind, basically. I know they're on an unprecedented streak, but it's just going to still take so long for them to be in the, considered a primary member of that top four, top five. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can see that. Like, um, yeah, if it was United, then it would be a completely different story, but yeah. Um, yeah, yeah no, I, I don't have any hate against that. And yeah, that's what I mean. Sterling said that it's just the pressure. And I mean, because they've already won one and whatever, I guess, as well. Um, well, just the talent they have. I yeah. mean, it's. And there is, there is a blend pre- in there. There is a pressure at Liverpool that's unlike almost any other pre- any that you will get until they get that first title in however many years it takes them to. Then there is going to be a pressure at Liverpool that you're probably not going to feel almost anywhere else if you're in a clo- close title race because it's just. The history and the magnitude of it, of what it'll mean whenever it happens, is just—it's a little bit unique. So, you know, it is what it is. The players have got to deal with it, and if they, if they lose, and they've just got to hope that they can come back and do it and have the confidence they'll do it again because it's young, you know, relatively young squad. So, yeah, I think soccer is one of the most brutal seasons for a fan to endure. You know, yeah, well, it's um, the fact that it doesn't playoff work. at the end of yeah. it. I mean, I'm an, I'm an American, so. You know, and even our soccer has playoffs still. So it is brutal to just work an entire... All that matters is regular season wins. Yeah. It's just a brutal season. I can't imagine what it's been like to be a Liverpool fan with how close you guys have come recently. I mean, I think the only year Arsenal was even close was against Leicester um, that season when they were on their unprecedented run, but... They were Arsenal was still pretty far behind. I had no hope. So yeah, yeah. Well, that was the season that I think did Tottenham finish second, or did you guys end up just getting Tottenham at the end of the year in that year? We sure did. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> On the last day of the season, I think they lost to like Newcastle. I think got relegated that season. Um, I can't remember quite who they lost to, but it was a team that got relegated. And because I remember a Spurs fan um, talking shit to me the night the the day before the final matches of the season saying, well, you're not going to finish above us this season. It's like, yeah, I remember that. Cause then I woke up because I think I slept through all that. Cause you know, there was nothing for me to live for in that season, but, um, <laughs> that is, yeah, of course it's a, it's a bummer, but yeah, I remember waking up and like, as there was all the tweets like, Oh, St. Tottering, Totteringham's day again, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, those were better times. Still yeah. ridiculous times though, because it's like, yeah, I'm happy about that, but you know, it's unreal. So I've just looked up the just a side note. I've looked up the league table to that season because I was just trying to put some context to the league race we're in. Because basically, you know, City are on 71 points at the moment with nine games to go. Liverpool's on 70. Leicester City won the league in uh, 2016 with 81 points. Yeah, <laughs> and Arsenal in second were on seventy one, which is what Liverpool and you know, City are on that, and Liverpool are just one point behind that now. We're still nine games to run, so that just shows what kind yep. of t- the intense title race that this one is. Is because Liverpool are having a season that any other year would have them ten points ahead now, um, but because you got City uh, playing at the level they are, and that's why they are probably the best team of all time in 
the mm. Premier League already because they've had the 100-point year last year and are on track to for 90 points again this year at least. So it's just it is yeah. what it is. It's just yeah. it's stupid, and that's why that's why being a fan of sports is actually just really fucking stupid. If like if you look at really it, you, you put yourself through so much for this fleeting moment. I think I said that on Twitter this morning. It's like most of being a sports fan is just pain, and pain, pain, pain for years, and then that little moment of happiness that makes it all worth it, and then definitely worth it, and then more pain yeah. again. So <laughs> yeah, it, that's why I'm trying to I be mean, a bit more pragmatic about it now that I'm in my 30s and. I try to think. I like to think I'm a little well, it's bit. It's a lot easier to get used. You know, yeah. with experience helps lessen the uh, bar punching. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and all that, all those fun times, but. Uh, oh, it still happens when I'm in a bar. Like it will, it, it'll happen. But like I, I'm at least able to. Then after a few hours, I process it, and then I, I can get my, through my day. <laughs> in in the moment, it's still. Americans fuck. frown upon that, man. And you never got that when you were over here. And I, I mean, I loved watching sports with you here. Because you did not give a shit. You would punch the bar just because the Ducks gave up a goal in the first period. In the playoffs. <laughs> like, that, was, that was fun times. And like Americans just staring at you. And it's like, dude, he's Australian. <laughs> Nothing I can do about it. That's why but, I need to move back there because it's an excuse rather than here. It's like everyone does that and you're all idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess looking to the Champions League since um, it is coming back this week. Yeah. I know you guys don't play until next Wednesday, but... How big of a priority is that to you, to, to Liverpool right now, and even City? Do you think when they're in this close of a title race for the English Premier League, City 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 really is the, is the priority. City is you the priority. So? Yeah, because they haven't won yeah. one, and they they. I think in the global global scheme of things, Champions League is what captures the attention of people, the casual fan in America, more than the Premier League. Like if you're a if you're a casual football fan in America that maybe follows. Oh, fuck knows. Barca. Maybe maybe you've just cottoned on to Barca and stuff like that. Or whoever, even in the Premier League, your casual fan, the watching you do is probably more Champions League than it is Premier League anyway because that's just what's shown consistently and that's what you can bank on being at a, you know, tw- you know lunchtime on a Wednesday, say, oh, I'm going to go watch some Champions League with my lunch. So the marketability, and that's where, that's where City want to be is they want to be that global powerhouse. And yeah. they know, you know, Real Madrid's league seasons have been largely shit for the last decade, apart from one or two title wins maybe. But their pedigree has been helped by the fact they won five of the last, you know, eight Champions Leagues. So no one's, yeah. everyone's forgotten about it. In three shit. in a row. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's helped sustain and build their brand, even though they've, <laughs> again, they're having a shit year this year. So, um, yeah. It's almost... Yeah. City want the Champions League. I think Liverpool's in their unique position where we're the one team that, if you ask most Liverpool fans that are serious and have been a fan for a long time, we want the Premier League more because we know <laughs> we need it. Because this, uh, it's kind of like that run. This, you know, I know the Cubs. I feel Cubs, like it's almost more impressive to be honest with you. Like yeah. I know that's ridiculous because coming into soccer as, as a soccer fan. You think Champions League, it's called the Champions League. This is the biggest thing in the world. But mm-hmm. honestly, the slog of the Premier League and to be able to survive that and call yourself champions at the end of the day is pretty important. It's, it's I think the most fans. Yeah. Because think... Champions Leagues are few and far between, but the league, you can, you know, it seems very plausible for, you know, five teams every year. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, and then occasionally use Leicester. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, how long do you think it'll be before we see another team like that? I I don't even I can't even say that I'll ever see it again in my lifetime. I think that was such a random anomaly where City were in a 
every team was in transition and it just they just and you know they won it with eight they won it with eighty one points which um, is on the lower spectrum of league title wins because you know Liverpool the two years they've been in a, a title race have gotten more than that and then they've come second so and this year it might happen again so um, it is what it is but that's what that's what title races are um, yeah. But yeah, I think the Champions League is yeah for I it's still a pro like obviously I don't want us resting players in lieu of Premier League matches for Champions League matches and because we don't have FA Cup or anything like that it's the, the it should be pretty manageable but yeah I yeah I want the Premier League so is this the most wide open Champions League you've seen in a while yeah because yeah Ronaldo not I mean the, I don't know who the favorite is um. Oh, do you, like you'd say Barca, but then they haven't been like. Uh, well, Messi's having a, one of his great years again. Like he's just fucking unreal. Every year, um, it's a great year for Messi to be alive. Yeah, Juventus. Yeah, Juventus. You know, Ronaldo's scoring goals there. So, but their overall squad still isn't quite the Real Madrid plus Ronaldo that it has been. So, yeah, that's what has opened it up. Is Ronaldo moving really just changed the dynamic of everything? Um, it really did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tottenham are probably going to beat Dortmund to go through. I know that's got to be. Steam. Oh, they'll definitely do that. But do they? Yeah. I mean, with Deli Ali injured, I just like for them to play even against like a City or Liverpool. Yeah. I don't think they have even close to surpass that or a Barca or a Juventus even. So yeah. it does really just. I mean, if I had to Bayern's bet, if I had to bet on anyone, and someone said you, I, you need to go and put a hundred thousand dollars on a team. And you have no choice. I'd probably just go and put it on City because I think they want it that really. Bad. Yeah, I think they want it that bad that they will. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I think I I, I could easily just do it. But it's a, probably a coin flip between them and Barca, to be honest. Um, yeah. Because I could just Barca's got the experience. City City have got the there's there's an experience versus uh, the longing for it, I guess, and that that can be a detriment too if City let that pressure get to them like Liverpool <laughs> seem to let title races get to them. But yeah, I, yeah, but Pep's got the experience, obviously. Um, the only reason they went out last year is they came up against Liverpool when they were really starting to find who they... Flying high. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. Does it seem like the winner of the Liverpool-Bayern matchup will really have a lot of momentum by beating... Arguably, those are two teams that could win the Champions League. Yeah. So the, the inspiration you would get from winning that that matchup which is at nil nil right now after a scoreless performance correct yeah it is yeah so yeah it's going to going to buy in so yeah no it's going to be a hard one for liverpool but then they can they've got the away away goal rule working in their favor on that so of course um yeah it certainly would be a boost because if you're knocking out buy in early um then you're, you're already taking out a big fish even if munich is slightly in a bit of a transitional period as well but they're they're, uh, they're still pretty solid oh yeah and like dortmund are a couple of injuries have knocked their title race off the rails and they've done the same thing Liverpool have done essentially, but even worse fashion, like they lost three, one way minute. worse. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're letting three goal leads slip and, and also that was, so. that was a great match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've got a soft spot for Dortmund as well. So, um, of course with Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. And then, just in general, it's just a, it's just a great club. I yeah. guess. But they just never seem to get it over that hump. The Bayern Munich cup. Yeah, as part from those two years that Klopp won a title there, they just, yeah, it's been Munich ever since. Um, and, yeah, they just don't have the squad depth, I guess, once, you know, Royce went down injured and a couple of others, and they're just, they're really struggling at the moment. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm so, certainly not happy that Tottenham drew them in the in the Champions League, but it yeah. is what it is. 
Um, I guess the other champions. I mean, PSG. They they're another club in the same position as City. Is that, that that's really because PSG. I've got a friend here that calls the league on the farmers league because it's just <laughs> it's just PSG. <laughs> it's, it's just PSG smashing a bunch of t- you know they have tough matches. It here really there, is. But they yeah. they're resting players a lot in lieu of, like looking towards Champions League matches because that's what they can do in that league. So. Um, so they're another team in the same position as City, looking looking for a Champions League win to really push their global brand on another level. So, and they've got well, their, they've historically underperformed there yeah. as well, like just like City. So those yeah. are two major teams looking to make that next step. Um, and that win against United a couple of weeks ago at Old Trafford uh, was pretty brilliant, considering they were missing both Neymar and Neymar and Cavani. I think it was yeah, Mbappe played. But do you think United's slow start and it was the slowest of starts we can all say yeah do you think that was just Josie or I mean what do you think they needed to change that bad and they they actually are you know a round of 16 Champions League team um I think obviously I don't I we've talked about this years and years ago as well like I of course the the cult of Mourinho has never been something I've believed in very much so yeah I think it was a lot him his ego uh, works sometimes at Chelsea. It was perfect, especially in that first run, and he had a good year when he came back again. And, you know, he got into Milan, a treble, and, you know, he's had some good years. But, uh, yeah. yeah, United was, a, I think it was the, it was the first time he'd gone to a club. I mean, Real Madrid was an interesting experience for him as well. And I think he's found going to clubs that already have historical pedigree because Chelsea, he built them up to being what they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, into Porto. Milan. Into Milan, while they're, they're a historically great club, they were not winning much at the time, so he came in and built them up a bit. But, yeah, Real Madrid obviously are expecting more and United were as well. I don't think his ego handled the pressure and the expectation because, you know, he saw all those press conferences when he just lost his shit at a journalist and started throwing three fingers up saying, this is how many I've won, this is how many I've won, how many has Klopp won? Like, he'd just bring up Klopp out of context, just saying, "What's it? everyone loves him. It's like, well, yeah... <laughs> Reminds me of a certain president in a certain nation. That's funny. Just yeah. being, I have no idea who you're talking about, but <laughs> when he knows that he's in the wrong, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's, but that that's essentially what it comes down to. And then you, he, he was a big ego dealing with um, big egos. Um, yeah, I don't love Pogba, but I don't hate him either. Um, I think he's a great player, obviously. So mm. uh, having that battle come out very early, you know, there was obviously friction there last season and then it continued into this season and then throwing all his players under the bus by saying oh, I don't have any defenders even though he signed a couple half of them and I feel like he's yeah. always done that though with his players I I mean that's just um I mean I think he was a talented coach at a time and he got away with throwing everyone under the bus when he could when they were winning but when you're losing it just looks terrible and it's not what a good coach does at all yeah. I, I just I haven't seen a parallel to him in soccer so i think that does make him the special one yeah. <laughs> but i think special for the wrong reasons yeah yeah um yeah I don't know, there's not much more, i mean everything about Mourinho has been said but yeah i just i i think it was it was jose like obviously every player has come out since and looked happier and has been playing better even though i don't i don't know if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is any special kind of coach he's obviously can at least do the job and get there's, the players playing better but they were their level was they should be top four at least like that's how much yeah. talent they've got so it's not like it's exactly a surprise that they're playing better because they got rid of the egotistical maniac that hated half of them <laughs> like 
It's yeah. like, yeah, you don't want to go for work to work for a guy that doesn't like you. Like, obviously, Marino clearly had a problem with Paul Pogba. And it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't I don't even, understand that. Yeah, so, you know, when you're going to work in that environment, obviously, results aren't going to be as great. And it was pretty easy. As soon as they sacked him, I was like, oh, shit, because they're going to start doing better. And that's what happened. And that's absolutely what happened. Yeah, um, and it didn't matter what our, manager uh, came in. It was just I knew they were going to get better because players would be happier. So it was yeah. pretty easy. And pretty I simple. guess... Um, in the same context, what does that mean for Chelsea? When do they sack Sorry, When does when does this really um, and does that turn their season around, or is it too late at this point? Yeah, that's an interesting one because you would have thought it, it's been going downhill. Well, it's been not just going downhill; it's been a dumpster fire for at least a month now. Well, I think it hit ahead in that um, the League Cup final. Obviously, yeah, that was that was, fucking, um, that was fucking amazing. <laughs> I was watching that and <laughs> pandemonium. Yeah. Okay. I've never seen that before. I'd like when I saw Sari just start to walk down the tunnel just to leave, and then he turned around like, "Oh fuck, I better probably stick around since the game's still going." <laughs> like, well, he tried to get the rest of his staff to go with him, and he thought they were behind him, and it didn't work. He yeah, ripped the crest off, and yeah. Um, I guess can what it, what would make a good finish for Chelsea this season? I guess what would um, what would they be happy about if when it comes to May? where they're standing what would that what would make them happy i don't even think i know because this transfer <laughs> yeah. this transfer like if they could somehow get hazard to sign an extension before you know somehow that's gonna happen no i don't think that's gonna happen though so i honestly i think it's really going and i've said this before about other teams and like united at one point i remember a few years ago i thought oh yeah it's falling off falling apart and but they've got the historical pedigree behind them being united um to be able to get through that stuff chelsea They've had a good fifteen years, but I worry about if they do get a transfer ban. If they don't, if they they let Hazard go because it sounds like he probably wants to go. Uh, it depends if their price because like, the market's changed since they started. They they were the first team to come in and start spending money, but now everyone's spending mm-hmm. money and they haven't really done a lot of it. Um, yeah, I don't I don't see a a silver lining for Chelsea for a while. They'll probably get. <laughs> You know, they're, they're one of those teams that if, as long as their ownership stays stable and, and that's the interesting thing is whether, whether Abramovich just gets tired of it and sells up or who knows. Cause, that's cool. yeah. Yeah, because um, he's, he's had a pretty – he's had incredibly successful years, but it's been so up and down. Like, they've never had a manager for longer than three years in all these years that they've been winning a few titles and won a Champions League. And, yeah. I mean, the guy that won them in the Champions League, that was uh, – was that De- – not DeCant – was it uh, – he was a fill-in replacement. Yeah. I remember that. So you have a guy come in and win the Champions League for you, and then you still, you know, get rid of him halfway through the next season. And so it's just been a really weird run for them, considering their success. They've never had any stability, and I feel like that's starting to come to a head just a tad now. Is that it, everything's just all over the place? I mean, who's a manager that could save them? Josie, round three. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean. I mean, these it, clubs demand humongous managers, but there aren't that many. I mean, it's like when Arsenal was looking for a manager last year. Yeah. I mean, how many of what? What's a name out there? Even you know, there's only so many Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola's out there. Yeah. Well, they got know? the they got the guy they thought was going to be the new age, like because Sari was the flavor of the month coming out from last year with um Napoli. So they thought they were getting that guy that was going to be going to have the Klopp effect and it's completely backfired on them because he's got no flexibility and is as stubborn as a fucking, 
So yeah, um, definitely an Italian football manager. Yeah, I think, and that just simply doesn't uh, seem to translate to the EPL. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, you could you could go uh, the only one that hasn't moved in recent years that's had a pretty good run of success over the last five eight years is uh, Simeone at uh, Atletico Madrid. Um, yeah, he's the Great one. Manager. Yeah, um, and considering that that uh, he's won a title there and heartbreakingly lost the Champions League um, final, you know he's he's kept Atletico Madrid at least in the. Like, I mean, I think they're a bit behind now, but uh, they've been in the in the hunt for titles here and there, and they play pretty good football consistently, and are always in the Champions League mix. So um, he's probably one you could go out and throw you know a blank check out if and see if he'd bite. But he's the only one I can think of. That, uh, yeah, big names. If you were him, Otherwise, you're going for one of those new, you know, there's a few young managers in the Bundesliga. I can't think of their names at the moment, but I know there's a few that I've, I've watched and just heard the commentators, the, the color, color guys on Bundesliga commentary, just talking about them as good good young managers. So there's probably a few. It would either be you go out and get Simeone and, as an established name and hope he can bring translate his former football and, and use his name to get players. Or you yeah. have to go out and find a young manager. Like, you know, when Liverpool tried with Brendan Rodgers, that was a bit of a left-field move, and that's might be what Chelsea should do is go a bit left-field next time. Back in the league, though. Yeah. Yeah. If you were Simeone, would, would you leave Atletico for Chelsea? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, like, money is money, but would you leave it to come into that situation maybe – not knowing if your superstar player is going to play for Real Madrid next yeah, season, and then, or whoever, and then, yeah, impending transfer bans as well. So who knows? Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't, yeah. So Chelsea is kind of in a similar position that Arsenal was in last year, but even worse. So yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, and I think Chelsea, are, Chelsea, uh, ha- do have plans to. I can't remember if it's rebuild or remodel their stadium. So there's there's money going to be spent on things that aren't player, like, you know, squad development. So I've seen what that did to Arsenal over the last decade and a half. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I'm surprised. Now, I don't want to talk about it, but... Uh, and Tottenham Arsenal well. finally has a stadium paid off. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah, well, that's a, and that's a significant thing. I don't think people put... Everyone always blamed um, Arsene. And I was like, I've always been a big Arsene respecter even with a few clashes with Kenny Dalglish and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great random I mean, game. I mean, fought with everybody, but I think yeah. he didn't fight with anyone harder than the board at Arsenal FC. And um, I could get into the board on this podcast, but I, I think that would really be boring content. But <laughs> it just, they are certainly a problem. And the thing with Chelsea is they do have a board that is not afraid to spend money and spend it quickly to make sure that their team isn't going to falter. Kind of like Arsenal has recently, like back-to-back years in the Europa League. And if Arsenal finishes, you know, fifth again, I think you got to start throwing money around at that point. Yeah, but Chelsea is ne- never in that situation because they'll throw money at any problem they have. Yeah. The, the problem with Chelsea lately has been their money's been thrown at areas where, you know, they spent, you know, Liverpool went and made the record goalkeeping signing and then uh, Chelsea decided to up that within a week. So, um, yeah. And while, you know, a good goalkeeper, like obviously at Liverpool, like I can't say enough how drastically important um, the signing, you know, Virgil van Dijk was criticized, that signing was criticized, but obviously he's become one of the best defenders in the world. That was the best signing. Yeah. yeah. And so 75 mil, you would 
you do it time and time again. And then the same with Allison being 70 mil. That's money well spent because it's... But there was money spent with a the plan. They, they knew they needed that keeper and then it was a squad building thing that's happened for a couple of years. But, you know, Chelsea just threw money at a keeper as soon as they sold Courtois. And then, yeah. you know, and then they threw 60 mil at Murata a couple of years ago and that just completely backfired. Um, they just, they're going to throw a bunch of so money at Pulisic. Yeah. So, I mean, and who, I mean, who knows where that's going to go. I mean, he's definitely a very solid young talent, but I do think there is a bunch of hype behind him as an American. I think that's a big deal over there. And um, I don't know if he's quite lived up to that contract yet. And usually those contracts that, Chelsea have thrown at players. Fernando Torres comes to mind mm-hmm. when they throw those contracts at players. It, um, they can't live up to it, even if they play decently enough. Because I think Torres didn't play great there, but I thought he was. A, I mean, he did enough. Yeah, he lost it. Like what Liverpool sold him at the right time. In hindsight, I mean, I would love to keep, keep him as a foil for Suarez at the time, but um, we knew that his knees had gone a little bit uh, with a couple of injuries in the last. 18 months of his Liverpool career, so and Chelsea still bought him for what was a record record fee at the time. So you know it was it was good business yeah, for us. Insane. Terrible for Chelsea, but um, yeah, yeah. And I guess that's the thing with Chelsea is that their their squad building hasn't had any real uh, you know they're just throwing money at the problem rather than actually working out what the problem is. Whereas you know uh, teams that build properly, like um, you know City, do throw money around, but they also throw money at the right players and they build a squad that really works and um you know Klopp to a certain extent started at Liverpool as well they you know Mane and Salah and Firmino were all signings that were you know criticized and they were you know medium money signings but then they've all worked out so because they knew the problem and could see the potential there to to fill the void so yeah and that's certainly a bit yeah yeah I mean we talked about it on the NBA podcast that team chemistry is everything no matter Mm -hmm. how much money you're throwing at players and how much how many superstars you have it all takes a team chemistry and it just seems like Chelsea is very disjointed right now yeah yeah and it's funny I was w- watching that league cup final and um you know it wasn't great but whenever Hazard got free you could see the potential like because obviously he was really gunning for he's incredible yeah so he's an incredible talent they just haven't done enough around him to and you can see sometimes in the premier league he comes in and out of games a bit because I don't know if it's his own whether he's already got one eye on Madrid and isn't really fully focused on his Chelsea career at this point, but he's been there for guys six, seven years now. Like he's had a long time for there a while. To, yeah, man, he's given him. You know, I wouldn't. I hope Chelsea fans would appreciate what he's done for him rather than hate him if he when he eventually goes to Madrid because oh they'll hate him and yeah. I I mean it's lame but I I mean as a fan of a squad that has sent several midfielders to bigger clubs mm. over the. years, I definitely hate those guys, but in the end, it's probably for the best, especially if you like the player. With Samir Nasri, I did not like the player, or the, or I liked the player, then hated him, and it resulted the way it did. Cesc yeah. Fabregas, love the player, still love him to death. I hate that he plays for Chelsea, mm-hmm. but it's fine. I hope Chelsea feel that way about Hazard, because he is a very um, unique talent. Yeah, I guess I was like that with uh, Chabi Alonso when he left in 2009. Yeah. Um, I still love the guy, and he's, he still shows a lot of love for Liverpool. So I've got no disrespect there. Um, Suarez, mm. I don't. I still like watching him, and it's fine. Whereas Coutinho was that one stung, and I still I can't say too many nice things about Coutinho yet. <laughs> so we'll see how that plays mm. out. But I'm I'm not exactly unhappy to see that he's just a role player at Barcelona rather than 
rather than the key because, you know, he could have been great here, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, if you guys had him still with the the front three that you have, that whole mix would have been pretty special. Yeah. Um, I guess turning stateside, I know, um, obviously, to start the season, we're both Timbers fans, obviously. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're listening to this podcast, you know that. Um, to start the season 3-3, um, you know, a draw is a point is a point. But um, I know you had some frustrations with um, not only the result, but the uh, why the result happened the way it did. Yeah, well, the conditions were... Um... They, they were they were conditions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. I saw, and I kept on seeing. There's a few Timbers, you know, social media people and whatever. Afterwards, were posting like that were there. You know, there was one <clears throat> one girl that's a I think she's a social media person or whatever. She retweeted a video of just like of her feet walking through the snow. I'm like, how can you plan that? Like, <laughs> yep, I saw that. Um, yeah. To be fair, really I didn't. I, yeah. Every step. I didn't see the start of the game, so it this it did start off, and there was not much accumulation. It just really. No. It just really pounded down halfway through the game. So, you know, starting the game, understandable, I guess, unless they had any idea that it was going to snow. I don't know. But, you know, the games are called off mid-game mid for abject conditions. And, and I was just seeing the pictures afterwards of, like, the Timbers were doing a really good job on their social media afterwards, like posting pictures of Chara just with beard and hair frozen and players. With yeah, like, frozen. Yeah. I think there was another player with his hair, like, or just like ice just built up through his hair and they just, tagged at frosted tips or something like that like <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how cold it was there um i think they said it was the coldest, coldest match in mls history. history it was like 15 degrees i think okay well it was less than that in nebraska but i did walk basically five city blocks and by the time i got to the pub my mustache had frozen over mm-hmm. and i think it was like 11 out so I can't imagine playing soccer in that kind of weather and the snow had started then. And Mm -hmm. I just, I don't think snow and soccer go very well together, you know, maybe the occasional game, but should the MLS do something about maybe starting in the Southern region? Uh, I know this is a big conversation in the MLB all the time because so many early games get rained out, not snowed out. Should we be sending teams down South? Um, on the road to start the season. Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility, but then, uh, yes, it, it works it because then the schedule would get like heavily twisted towards, you know, then there'd be certain times of the year. It just, I think they still try to do the fairest schedule possible. Obviously, Timbers is all fucked up this year because they don't have a home game for the first two months or three <laughs> three months, is it? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, definitely two. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, weather's, you know, it's, it's always going to be a part of sports and that's partly why we, you know, I've, watch snow nfl games and like that i remember it was i think it was lions eagles a few years ago where calvin johnson came up with just like like a two bricks worth of snow in his helmet and i was just like how are they playing yeah. this game but as a as a neutral watching it i just thought it was fun but yeah you know but even football is a much different game than soccer yeah and I, it's obviously a, it's so the much balls th- in the air a lot or in somebody's hands um yeah when you're dealing with snow at that level i guess when but my thought would be that it would just make sense that maybe say the Timbers play in Dallas or Houston Mm -hmm. for the first week of the season. And then, so the Timbers don't have to go to Houston in August when it's, you know, 105 degrees. Yeah. And then we're not dealing with snow games and we're not dealing with these extreme heat games where there's water breaks. I guess I just feel like it would be a simple fix to 
yeah um, a, a bigger problem that the MLS obviously has. Yeah, and I guess they weren't expecting, oh, it's Colorado, it's not at the start of March, probably isn't a huge surprise, so I, I don't know. <laughs> um, and I guess, at this, again, with the Timbers, their schedules had to be somewhat uh, messed up because they can't play at home for the first couple of months, so they've had to probably put them in certain places. But yeah, well, I, construction I, and everything, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I just I, I I tried looking up afterwards, um, especially I think you tagged me in a tweet with another bloke. I don't know who he is, but um, good. oh my my homie Pat Rad, good response. Shout, shout I, out to him. He yeah. runs a uh, he runs a Colorado Rapids website. We covered Nebraska fo- uh, women's footy together. Nice. Um, my favorite beat I've ever had, and uh, it was always fun hanging out with him. But he's in Denver now, and he has a blog. I can't remember the name of it, but I will tweet it out when i do <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll pop it on the uh, i tried to do it notes. when i tagged him in your tweet um because he was covering the game yesterday and as he said you know he was thinking hey an orange ball might be necessary but as it is as it is in the midwest and the northern states you know a little bit of snow can turn into a lot of it really quickly yeah and that's and what i was know, that's what i was yeah. trying to look up after he uh responded to the tweet and it was a good response i like liked it um but Afterwards, I was like, I wonder what their weather policy is. And I couldn't find anything. I did a lot of Google searching and there was only some vague, uh, there was some vague articles from a couple of years ago about what they do with the game once it's called off. But I couldn't actually see what their policies were towards abject weather, like what, where they, if they have any, um, any protocols they go through to work out before a game, if there's no forecast or whatever, or if they have a rule based on when they can, if they call a game halfway through postponed like i know i know what the rule i could see the rules for what they do once it's been postponed and what when they call the result but i didn't actually know what their levels of snow because i know games in england when snow is even forecast they 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 take it pretty seriously so i i just Mm. it was a bit weird that i couldn't find anything and anything concrete about what the snow policy is and you know i know lightning obviously in all sports is yeah snow is a little bit different so i don't know um it's fine it's a point um but yeah, the conditions were. Uh, it just wasn't. It wasn't football like, like halfway through that game. So yeah, yeah. It's just it's I just the craziness of the MLS still. Is it's still such a wild west league? So much. It time, is a so renegade much, league. Yeah. Um, and it is definitely an American league because I I don't think the owners. Well, Merritt Paulson might, but guessing the owner of the Rapids and several other MLS owners. It's just a business venture for them. They don't understand what weather does to soccer. They're not soccer fans at all. I know Merritt Paulson is. Yeah. Um, I hugged him. I hugged him after we won. After the Timbers won the Western Conference in mm-hmm. Kansas City. <laughs> so I know he cares. But uh, yeah. I it as much as soccer has grown in this country, it's still there's still a few steps to it needs to take. Yeah, for, and I think that was the essential the part of my tweet that I made yesterday. I was just like, it's just. I'm not going to, you know, I was a bit biased and I was mad that we'd given up a last minute equaliser, but it was of more course. the fact that this kind of game, you know, and I just can't remember the last, you know, maybe the, you know, the Farmers League of England, you know, leagues down in England, they might play in those conditions, but you can just never imagine a Premier League game finishing like that. So mm-hmm. I remember one year playing when um, some clubs played down in Kansas City when it was snowing that bad and they played a semifinal in it. And it's just like, what are we, do- what are we doing? <laughs> like, yeah. So. It's just ridiculous. Like, play it at a neutral site in warm weather. Mm-hmm. Play both games there. I don't care. But um, especially, well, I'm speaking in the playoffs. That game could have been avoided by just simply, I mean, I think it was snowing in Portland too, though. So I don't, 
I think the only I think there are enough Southern clubs that. Yeah, especially they bring in Austin's coming in soon. Nashville's another one. Uh, Miami. Yeah, Miami. Uh, so yeah, there's plenty of yeah. Yeah, I get it. It'll be an interesting thing to look at once the league gets to because they're going to be at thirty teams pretty soon, I think. Um, yeah. I, I mean, is that ideal to you for teams in the MLS when most other leagues have twenty teams in their top flight? Or do you think it is a way to build towards um, a relegation call-up system? I'm wondering if that's what they're going for, but then I wonder if it's just because they want to be in line with other major leagues in America that are 30 to 32 team leagues. So, yeah, I wondered about... I still just think relegation is something that's very much a uh, European thing and uh, to have that in a major league in America would probably be... It'll be interesting to see how the casual fan that maybe, you know, the casual fan of the Timbers might be pretty seriously into the Timbers, but they don't watch much um, uh, European football. So while they probably mm-hmm. have a basic understanding of relegation, how they deal with it. Because imagine being a Timbers fan, they suddenly, they get relegated and then you get stuck in the quagmire of League Two of whatever the MLS is for a few years. And yeah, yeah. It would, and, and, yeah. And there's obviously money as well involved in the leagues and exactly. the distribution of that. Because I- once a team gets... You know, once your team gets relegated in England, you know, it's going to be very hard to get yourself back up into that stra- top stratosphere. So, yeah, depends how money, money's know, going to work. Yeah, I do know that from covering, and I guess I wasn't really covering as much as I was drinking at uh, Lane United games, but I have covered a semi-professional team in Lincoln, and I know that those semi-professional teams are very very interested in creating a pyramid like every other country has and people are pouring money into the lower league to make sure that this happens i guess i don't understand if i can't imagine american sports fans being into it yeah i mean that's my major worry there is yeah the how the money's distributed and uh being that the leagues over here don't work the same way they're doing over here over there in Europe, and then yeah, the fan the fan thing is just yeah. There's a massive cult, there's a massive cultural understanding of relegation in Europe because it's just what it's been for the entire history of it. Exactly. So I do I do think Americans will get behind it, but it'll be like 2050 by the time they they will fully. It'll be generations of soccer fans. It'll yeah, because be, you'll have all of us being like, yeah, this is just the way it's done, and that'll be uh, what percentage of people that are diehard worldwide like world football fans. That are MLS fans, I don't know, but uh, yeah, it just be, yeah. it depend where that percentage is and uh, whether the MLS is doing work towards you know maybe they're going to try and pick a point in time where they think that the fan the MLS fan has become cultured enough to understand yep. what relegation yeah and be able to handle it and then they'll be able to keep, drag along the more casual fans that don't like it and get them used to it and then just you know get through it but. Yeah, no, it would be it'd be interesting. Certainly, I'd be happy with the relegation. Um, but then, probably as soon as the Timbers got relegated, I'd be like, "Why the fuck did we do this?" But <laughs> I think the Timbers, as well as like a handful of other <coughs> clubs um, that I can think of, would handle relegation in stride. I think they. Would oh yeah, we'd be fine. We'd be fine. Uh, just just me as a person would be. Mm-hmm. Well, be, yeah, obviously. it would be a day of drinking. <laughs> but I'm just like wondering, especially when the MLS is adding teams so much, like if the Montreal Impact got relegated, what is the fan base going to be like there? Or if, um, you know, I'm trying to think of another, because a lot of a lot of fan bases are really bought into their teams now. Yeah, you 
that's what's great about it. But I wonder if in, like in a city like Chicago, how bought in are the fans if the Chicago Fire got relegated, yeah. or the DC or DC United got relegated? You know, it's, yeah. And then what would happen if like so? You know, say DC at the moment have Wayne Rooney. What are they going to start having the clauses in their contracts about relegation? And there's so the star player suddenly leaves when they get relegated. So it's like a double whammy hit. Probably. I mean, yeah. that's what happens in the Premier League, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, it makes you know, sense. That's, to that's me. how. That's I, how. I, that's how we got Zed and Shakiri so cheap because he had a clause in his contract that he could go for fuck all if Stoke got relegated, and they did. So. Yeah, now Stoke is in the bottom half. Yeah. Of the championship, like struggling for survival. It's very fun. Don't miss the cold, windy night Wednesdays at Stoke. Let's just. All of them. Ever yeah. again. I hope I never see them again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that that Detroit Pistons of the nineties. Holy uh, <laughs> ball. Yep. Um, yeah, so oh yeah. Well so going away from yeah, the relegation thing, be happy with it, but I think it's a while away yet. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um so uh how do you feel about um Galaxy this year and I guess just the general, the stars in the league. Where are you at with that? I think the MLS is at the best place it's ever been. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's even debatable. I mean, Atlanta just sold a player to Newcastle and Newcastle is, and he, he played. Yeah, no, he's, and they're, have you seen the, have you seen the, um, the Newcastle fans are already talking about how it's the real life goal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw in their stands, Atlanta fans, you know, wearing Atlanta gear. Mm at a Newcastle match. That's huge. That's huge for the MLS. Like, yeah. People are traveling from America to go watch their homegrown player. And it's just, huge. I mean, that's just so important for the league and the fandom, you know, because maybe those guys just started as Atlanta fans mm. and now they're interested in the EPL. And that just means it's going to grow. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's the, it's a great time to be a soccer fan in the United States. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess uh, having guys like Zlatan Ibrahimovic, even if he's 36, he's still amazing. Um, you know, when Beckham... Yeah, Beckham his ego is what the MLS needed. Because yeah. It needs, like, those outspoken guys that every other league has. Yeah. And, um, is going to get in the national news. Yeah, and he's... And obviously the talent. Um, you've got... a. Uh, I mean, Rooney at DC, again, older player, but obviously he's an all-time Premier League legend, um, as much as I don't like him. Um, the, the, what he, his run at United was, um, you know, he's, he was a great player. He was an integral part of many of their great squads in the later years of Ferguson. So, um, Also even... just a classic American now because he flew into DC and was too drunk to talk when he got <laughs> through the customs. So... True American hero at this point. Yeah. And then uh, Orlando signed Nanny, which, you know, he was, mm-hmm. he's not like an all-star, but he was a important player for United for a few years. One of my favorite moments ever was when Carragher raked his leg and <laughs> he started crying. Um, yeah. There was I mean, blood, there was legitimately blood pouring out of his leg, but he got up and then realized and fell down and started crying while Carragher was just yelling yeah. at him, killing him to get the fuck up, but... <laughs> I just think that the MLS is getting these guys when they're younger and younger, and I mm-hmm. think that that's incredible. I mean, even Thierry Henry coming over and having great success with New York Red Bull, you know, yeah. that, that, was, that was huge, but he was older. I mean, Rooney, I think, is younger now than 
um, Thierry Henry was. But yeah, I'd, I have could to, be wrong. I'd have to look it up. But he, he, yeah, Rooney was only he's only thirty odd, is he? Yeah, I just I think, think the MLS has come a long way since David Beckham signed with the Galaxy, and it was like, oh my god, I can't believe Beckham signed with the Galaxy, even though he was, you know, however old he was in his late thirties. Yeah, I think now it's just like, and I don't know, it's just. It just feels different now, and I think that's great. And no, I don't think Rooney's thirty three, so that's that's me for a couple of that's years. That's pretty off, young. Yeah, but he's already been here for a year. So, um, and then you had David Veer a few years ago too, and he he had a good little run there for City for a few years. So, yeah, and I think these guys love it. I mean, and they're all World Cup winners. Uh, Veer's a World Cup winner, Champions League winner, uh, uh, La Liga. Obviously, Rooney had great success at every yeah. level. But... Again, Champions Leagues, Premier League. So yeah, they're all they're not just. The borderline stars, they are were the stars of the league. You know, Rooney was a leading scorer, Davia was scoring bags of goals at Barca and at Valencia beforehand. So yeah. And Ronaldo already said he wants to end up at LAFC. And I mean, I don't know how long it's gonna I mean, I don't know how much longer he's gonna chase titles in Europe, especially once he starts losing them. I think he already I think he already has surpassed what anyone would hope for a great player. I mean, yeah. three straight Champions Leagues is absurd. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, kind of like we were talking in our NBA pod, if he just came over here for the other business interests that he could have and then just obviously also dominate the MLS like yeah. these players have. Yeah, even Ronaldo at 36, as long as he hasn't had too many you know, of those types of injuries that slow you down, he'd be, he'd be tearing through uh, mm-hmm. MLS defenses. Uh, I guess it depends. He's, I mean, not to a dark side of the pod, but he does have that. There is that little bit of a um, rape case in Vegas that's hanging yeah. over Ronaldo, so that would probably play a major part on whether he ends up in the US or not. Yeah. Um, that but is yeah, true. taking that, taking that, like if you, uh, not to demean that, because obviously, um, yeah, if he did do it, then terrible. Well, he has tax yeah. cases in Spain too, yeah. so he's everywhere there probably. So, um, who knows? but yeah, if 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 um, obviously if Innocent Any of these and, players, though. Yeah, if innocent and whatever. Yeah, they'd be... The MLS is a great way to probably progress your next... You know, if, especially Ronaldo, if he's got business interests in entertainment or whatever being that he is, he's got an ego. There's no denying that. So, you know, LA's probably the perfect place for him, so... Yeah, I know he wanted to invest with Beckham. I, I thought he wanted to invest in, you in know, Miami, the next yeah. club. But yeah. I guess my question is... Now that we're talking about this, what can the MLS do to maybe handle the fact that all of these aging superstars are going to come over and not just have them all sign at LA and NY clubs? I mean, is there any way to stop it? Or are they just going to keep adding teams to New York and LA? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, you could say, I mean, every team's got designated player spots, but it still comes down to the money that they have to be able to pay them and that's why LA can keep getting them and the Timbers will never get one of them, you know? So We got Chris Boyd. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was at I was at Chris Boyd's first game. He scored and I was like, hey. I was at the Galaxy game when he scored right away and then Beckham destroyed us from yeah. thirty five out. Yeah, five no, I, I don't know. Chris Boyd was like I was like, oh I remember talking to Vince about it because this was early in the days when we went up i was like oh yeah this guy he's, he's had a really good career in scotland like mm. he'll be good and then that didn't go well um i just wonder if we're gonna get more players and i hope 
that this happens with the MLS, that we're getting more players that like Liam Ridgewell, who weren't superstars over in the EPL, but like just want their way to They were a consistent performer in, in you know, the top, rather the top than, leagues of England, yeah. Rather than playing for whole city, they want to play for Portland Timbers, um, mm-hmm. you know, any of the big clubs, or not even big clubs, just a club because they know they can make more money and be in America, I guess. Yeah, hopefully. yeah. And um, I mean, that's, that's where it is for like, clubs like the Timbers, I mean, the only, I mean, you're asking for a way that the MLS could do it. The only way you'd be able to do is um, for uh, some exemptions to come into the smaller clubs to be able to get, allow them to pay for those team, those players. Because if they, if the, the trend keeps going, it'll either be that the MLS bends over and just keeps opening up designated player spots for the like, Galaxy. So suddenly they have 11 designated player spots and some of their team is a superstars. Or they try to if we keep getting more of these players come over, they try to build exemptions into the deals that the Timbers can pay for them or, you know, I, I don't know. And then there's and then, not a cap on that kind of thing. Yeah. And then, well, even just helping, I don't know. It's, yeah, and then having an eight, you know, whereas, yeah, the Timbers are still going to have to pay for them. And if they don't have the money, then you've either got to have some kind of, some kind of salary cap built into it to help the Timbers pay for those players, or they will just keep going to the rich teams in big markets. And, it I just is, also think it is what it is. I mean, we won a title without having to get a star, so you know it is. Mm. Soccer's that sport. In Atlanta but, last year, I mean, they didn't have any aging superstars on their team, really. I mean, yeah, they had they young. Just, they had young superstars, so they did it yeah. the other way. So it can, it can be done either way, but yeah, it's going to be just one of those things that I think it will always be a league that favors the LA's and the New Yorks and fucking Seattle sometimes and. Uh, it's just what we're going to have to deal with as a smaller team. And I, I take some pride in the fact that the Timbers stay competitive without that. And, you know, I mean, Valeri, who would not like Valeri and Chara have been two just absolute stars and they were, they came without any fanfare. So, and they've been, absolutely. so as much as I'd love to get, like, I remember when the rumors about Torres maybe coming to England, like every, oh, every yeah. time one of those yeah. rumors were England, the US. Anytime US, one of those yeah. rumors comes up, I'll almost automatically get a text from Vince saying, I know what's going to happen, but how good would this be? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we talk about it for five minutes and go, man, I'd buy that jersey in a minute. And then we go, and we end up at the conversation going, yeah, it's not going to happen though. So yeah, it's a nice dream. The worst, yeah, the worst is going to be when uh, Diego Costa comes to the US and um, if the Timbers were even involved in that running, that would be the real, that would be a real dark side. But <laughs> I'd... That's what's frustrating about some of the players that have come over. It's like, man, I've hated you for so long in Europe, but you would be so good on the Timbers. <laughs> oh, yeah, you'd take Diego Costa. And then... Um... I really wouldn't, honestly. I would not like it. Yeah, no, I mean, he's he's already probably past it anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah, and the type of player he is, I just I think you'd be better off letting someone else spend the money on him. But, yeah, it's, it is that thing like, um, you know, fuck, I'm trying to think of an example right now. It's not too many players I absolutely hate at United anymore. So because I just think well, whatever they're they're not as hate easy to hate. Well, they're not. You don't hate them as much because they're not doing as well as they did under Ferguson. So I hate Kane and Ali. Yeah, so that would be the thing. Like if Kane was thirty and was like coming over to the uh, the MLS and signed for. The I tip. hate Lingard from United. Yeah, actually, I'm not a fan of Lingard. Um, yeah, he annoys <laughs> me. Um, yeah. Yeah, and but it, Tottenham's popular over here. I could see those guys heading over. And I could see. I mean, I Tottenham's. Such I welcome a, all those guys to come over. If hey, if they sign with the Timbers, I'll try to figure it out. But yeah, I mean, you would because as soon as they start scoring goals in your shirt, it's 
always yeah. forgiven. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, how long is it going to be until, I mean, is it going to be in our lifetime? Do you think in our lifetime the MLS can be a league that is respected worldwide? Like, it's respected now, but, like, I mean, considered it, you know, with the Serie A's and the, mm, uh, not the English necessarily. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't I, I remember I had a, um, so the MLS Cup final last year, like the night before that was, I think that was United. I can't remember. There was a good, so I had some friends over for the um, Liverpool game the night before, and then they, you know, sle- uh, sleeping bagged it and stayed over and watched the MLS Cup final because I had the day off to watch it. And I yeah. remember just because they were they were Liverpool fans and didn't really take notice of any Premier League things. They was just you know he was they were ripping on it because I was just like oh, this is shit and it was wasn't the best game as far as uh, from a Timber standpoint. So. I can understand it, but all the jokes are coming out about, oh, you know, it's a shit league and all that. So I think it's a long way away from being respected in that Fair sense. Enough. Yeah, unfortunately. Is it better unf- than the Australian Premier League? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do I put this? The Australian League is about as good as, um, I don't know. There's a bird flying past outside right now, and it's about as good as that bird is at soccer. So that's about where <laughs> we're at with the Australian League. <laughs> that's a bummer. <laughs> look, the Australian I have, it has Adelaide its, FC on my wall still. So yeah, yeah. No, look, Adelaide are having an okay season, but it's just um, the good teams in Australia sometimes have some really good years, but generally it's just the qualities. I think it's kind of stagnated about five, ten, five or six years ago, and just hasn't gotten any better because they, the money, there's just still not so much money in there um, enough to. Yeah, the, the the big teams get the star players, but they still don't have nearly as much money as any other league does to get them. So, um, yeah, I don't know. The Australian league, I don't think will go anywhere for a long time. Whereas the MLS has the ability to uh, to get there. Because they've got the money, oh, yeah. they've got the population base, they've got the fan bases. That's where the Australian League falls down. Is where we've got ten teams at the moment, and they're trying to expand. But then, you know, most of those teams can't sell out a game or anywhere get anywhere close to selling out a game. So there's no population base to support the league, especially yeah, they're fight, they're fighting against um, cricket in the summer and Australian football in the winter. Which you know, for anyone that's not from Australia and knows anything about it, would be like, what the hell? But they. Legitimately, yeah. Australian football is as our biggest spectator sport here, and and cricket takes a lot of it in the summer too. So, yeah. That's Whereas the MLS is finding that wrinkle in in uh, there's a lot of fan there's a lot of fans of soccer over there. So yeah, there's a lot of fans of soccer yeah. here too, but there's just not enough of them to sustain the not league. Enough, yeah. yeah. There's a only twenty four. There's only twenty four million people in the entire country. So yeah. You I mean, just, and I would definitely say with the youth over here, they definitely like soccer mls even more than the major league baseball and that's pretty that's a pretty big deal you know i I definitely soccer has grown so much here that you know kids are watching the mls in the summertime instead of major league baseball yeah and that's what's interesting is seeing and i think that's um well, yeah, the, like, yeah, I mean, the controversy with football, like American football and then, you know, baseball. Um, as much as I love baseball, there is a certain, there is a certain element to the, uh, a certain issue with baseball in trying to work out where its place is in the, re- in the, in the realm of things of young people versus the old people. <laughs> like there is that little battle going on with baseball's culture yeah. at the moment. Um, 
what is baseball without super old white dudes? Yeah. You know? It does, <laughs> it does feel weird over here. I obviously love baseball. I grew up playing it and loving it. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm still a diehard fan, but it, it does just feel like the soccer is the wave of the future. And that's going to come in a while where everybody's on board. And right now the NBA is really where, you know, the focus is on, but I also hang out in those circles and follow the, those type of people. Yeah, if I had so to, maybe, I'd I'd not, maybe I don't have my finger on the pulse. <laughs> no, if I had to make a bet, I'd say soccer and soccer and basketball are the two sports that'll be the, you know, in a hundred years, uh, theoretically, if um, Donald Trump hasn't blown up the world in that time. Um, the world will blow up the world to get rid of the human virus. Yeah. Um, is what I'm beginning to understand by reading articles. Yeah. But if, and one class at Oregon that taught me that in 2013 which scared me then and now which one was that six years later. um it was environmental studies mm-hmm. but it was taught by this like raw hippie dude and it was a true, read, like, a true like, university of oregon professor <laughs> yeah like hair down to his shoulder blades like super nice soft-spoken awesome um mm-hmm. i read that i've like read a book called what every capitalist needs to know about the environment or what every environmentalist needs to know about capitalism. One of the, one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it was horrifying back then, and he was showing us videos that just now people are catching on to. And yeah, so yeah, well, that's well, a... hopefully keep growing, and um, maybe we'll create a sport called water soccer, where <laughs> people. Oh, that's called water polo. We already have it. Yeah, maybe well, water polo will be the. Uh, if I was an investor, I'd bet in water polo because we're all going to be underwater pretty soon. <laughs> That was that Jim Jeffries like bit just to finish the segue we had just there randomly. He had he's got a stand up. I was actually I went to the stand up that he did this bit. He said, "Everyone keeps saying we need to save the earth. We we don't need to save the earth because the earth is going to be fine when it fucks us off." Because he's like, "What yeah. we what we need to do is save each other, and by doing that, if we do the right thing by saving each other, caring about humans, we'll probably save the earth too because we'll do the right if we start taking care of each other and realizing what's going on, then." Um, then everything will be fine, but the earth will be fine because if we fuck it up, then it'll just be like, all right, I'm going to have like a massive cat- catastrophic event and, uh, and, Dinosaur. and kill, and kill everyone. And, and he does do that bit. He's like, the earth will go, oh, well, let's do dinosaurs again. <laughs> 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 so I mean, that's what we're headed towards, but you know, yeah, but, um, beyond that i don't ever think humans will be on the same page so that's asking a lot but i think exactly i'm hoping something will change so we can still watch soccer well into our well into our older ages even though we're both in our 30s now so <laughs> but to be but to be doing this podcast when we're in our 60s would be really nice and not on you know noah's ark would be good yeah not not on a boat floating endlessly yeah just fighting wars with other boats yeah, we'll be like Mad Max doing a podcast. <laughs> or wa- just Waterworld, yeah. probably, drinking our own urine. Yeah. but it's, it's, it's It'll be fun. Yeah. I'll have gills. <laughs> Kevin Costner had gills. I was promised gills. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, uh, that's an enjoyable movie considering it was, it was a complete flop, but um, I can't even remember how we got onto it. Oh, yeah, I was just saying, yeah, if in 100 years we're still in, in existence, I think basketball and soccer are probably the two two sports that'll be out on top of everything else because they're the two that probably with all the issues that both of them have are the, as most are more socially forward than any, depending on where you're from. If you're in Russia, it's not socially forward at all, but um, yeah, that'll be I'm kind of the- hoping they bring back Aztec death ball. <laughs> 
We can start a podcast. Which was about like that. kind of like basketball, but the the losing team died and the hoop was on its side. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was before the fall of the empire. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can try and bring that back, but there might be a few a uh, few legal issues with that. So, uh, when Mad Max happens, there won't be any yeah, issues. Yeah. It'll um, be like uh, Escape from New York or Escape from LA when he's <laughs> shooting half court shots to stay alive. Yeah, that'll be fun. I can't wait. I am not built for that at all. Um, you know, you guys are on an isolated continent. Seems like you guys will be fine. But uh, yeah, well, apart, from, apart from just the, the the weather that is already terrible down here, it just it just get drastically worse. But yeah, it'll yeah. be fine. I mean, Mad Max has shown that there is human life in Australia after after the complete nuclear obliteration of the Earth. So we'll be. I think we'll be okay. Yeah, nobody's gonna nuke Australia when in um, when Pakistan and India decide to finally go at each other like they've threatened to recently. So yeah. maybe I should fly there now. <laughs> yeah, get, get, get it out of the way before the uh, before the flights turn into like that World War Z thing where everyone's just climbing over each other to get on. Yeah, I just like don't think I have that survival instinct in me. I think I would like I'd be at the bottom of that that pyramid of people just being like, "Well, I tried. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was doing my best, but uh, clearly you guys want to live more than I do. I don't want to live in this dystopic uh, future." But uh, well, it would be that like that mental battle between I want like the the instinct to survive, but then being like, "This is going to be really shit. Like, do I actually want to be in this?" Yeah. But, yeah, know. who knows until you're in that situation. Yeah, I, I mean, hopefully... All happens. the movies say there will be zombies, but I don't think that's going to happen, because... Uh, that's too predictable, urban. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Only if there's vampires, too, and Frankenstein. Well, there will be Frankensteins, because people will create fuck robots out of human corpses. But that's a different story. <laughs> that is not what we're talking about. I did about. not spit my wine, but I almost did. <laughs> If it was beer, you would have spit it. Wine is too damaging to the podcast equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it would have gone straight over the MacBook, and then, yeah, we would have been... Just right on your uh, iPhone, and it would have been like, all right, David, like, burst an artery. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't... Yeah, we um, we were talking soccer once upon a time. <laughs> yeah, zombie, yeah. In the future, it will be played with human heads after <laughs> Aztec... After the Aztec death ball is over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess to kind of wrap things up, what I what do you expect from Liverpool the rest of the way? And uh, what do you kind of expect the... I mean, the only reason I say that, I knowing you're a Liverpool fan, obviously, mm-hmm. but Liverpool are major players in both the Champions League and the EPL, which are the two biggest leagues going on right now. So I guess what do you see happening it's very unpredictable because it goes till may but yeah um look the champions league i i think we can beat munich there i mean obviously uh, you know champions league can be crazy sometimes so it just depends on the day but i hope march we get, 13th yeah i hope we go it's through big the day yeah i hope we go through to the semi-final that's where i'd hope we like so we get, yeah we get through this we're at the quarters and then yeah i'd like to be in the final four of the champions league and that would be a good testament to being Getting through, especially because like you know, as the European coefficient, like the how they seed you in the Champions League, but is based on how much, essentially your reps in the Champions League each year as a going forward thing. So, at least getting to the final four will help our chances next year. Because you know, barring a catastrophic collapse, we'll be in the Champions League again next year, regardless of who we win in it or not. So, um, yeah, getting through to the final four, and as far as the Premier League goes, 
there's two fixtures left that are, and we have so the rest of the fixture we've got Wolves at Wolves at home is our last game of the year, and that's they've been a pretty good team this year, so that's not a not a bankable win by any means. Beyond that, it's Chelsea at home a couple of weeks before the end of the season, and Tottenham at home a couple of weeks before that. I, I saw that you guys have Spurs coming up pretty soon. I thought, yeah, um, but um, we're on that. So they're both at, at Anfield at least. So, um, yeah, look, I'm hoping we can maybe win every game. Like, so bank a win in every game that's not Chelsea, Spurs, and and even Wolves maybe. But then those ones, if we can get a win or two out of any of those three, because I, I, City certainly have the capability to run the table, but I think just based on the Premier League being weird and the fact City has already had that a couple of times, I think think they might draw one or two more. They've got they've got United they've got to play United at Old Trafford still and they've got Tottenham to come to the Etihad as well. So they've got a couple of tough ones coming up. They'll drop a hopefully drop a point or two and it'll just depend who drops a point or two more. Um yeah. So things seem on the up and up still. I mean today was obviously not the way. Yeah look I think if I had to make a prediction from here on out I'd say like my heart says Liverpool will win it, my head says City probably will. So that's you know if you want it to get boil it down to down to that it's certainly just... preparing yourself for that but um the manchester yeah. um manchester does host tottenham on the 20th of april but they only they have to go to old trap um just and 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 if day, they're in a four cha- days later yeah and if they're later, in a champions league maybe. run um they've had fernandinho go down injured for four weeks recently i think de bruyne went went down injured the other night i don't know how bad that is so they are they they are going to a tough run of fixtures with some injury issues. So, and that's what sometimes brings you back to getting those shitty results against. That's where they've lost games. I mean, they've actually lost games where they haven't even had that many injuries. But that's where they will get pulled back to the pack a little bit um, in those in those individual games. Uh, so, you know, I'm hoping that they can. I I think they'll drop points. It just depends if we drop more. That's that's what it's going to come down to. Um, so we've got to you know work out what you know. Uh, as I said earlier, those draws against United and United and Everton away are actually not that bad in the context of most seasons. This year, it looks yeah. bad because we're in such a crazy title race that is high, high, high points as well. Like we're in a title race that's probably unprecedented. So it'll be what it'll and be. Um, we're going to end. We're going to end up in the mid eighties of points at least, and that's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty unreal. Like most most years, they get to a Premier League win. So um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, City is on an, on a pretty solid run right now, but if you look at their form, it really hasn't been that great um, other than that 6-0 drubbing of Chelsea, but I think that was... There's a little bit of Chelsea, was, Chelsea uh, complicity to that being that they're just such a shit show, so... I know, but, you know, like, two weeks after that, they went to penalties against each other, so... Yeah. And allowing two goals to Shaka, I know they were away... But or uh, they were away and they got three away goals, so they were pretty confident in that. But that still wasn't, you know, the type of performance you would think City would put on if they're really trying to run oh, into all, this. All the predictions or, were that they were going to roll over Shawker without any issues, and that even though they still got the win, they got the away goal, so it's they're in they're in the position that they should be. They still let two goals slip and had to win it late, which is not what they they had to put the effort in late that they probably weren't expecting to have to. So yeah, you know, they're, they're not they're not invincible they're just one of the best teams of all time that's what it is and liverpool's team's pretty good as well when they get their shit together because that game against watford showed what they can do when they're just flowing and and they get that that jive going so 
Yeah. Um, I mean, they City still is also in the FA Cup, so yeah. I mean, that's still that's game that's still games to play. Granted, I mean, they play Swansea away um, in a couple weeks, so you know that's it. Doesn't seem like they should be able to rest starters and stuff like that, but that's still just. But there'll still, there'll still be a few that they'll play because that's what this is what they have to do, and then. And you know what happens when you rest an entire squad sometimes against those teams is when you suddenly end up in a replay and then you feel like you have to play a few starters in that replay to make sure it to you get And then it's the just result. a whole other game. They got to travel there. Yeah. Or, well, I mean, it would be at City this time, but it's still you got to get up for it. You got to go through training. That's a day that they could have just had training and just... And it's, a distra- you know, and it's another distraction for Pep too. Even though he's a great manager, he's still got to think about another game he probably doesn't want to have to think about. So, yeah, um, yeah there's all those connotations. And then City in theory, are on for a quadruple this year. They could have probably the, great, the greatest season of all time. If they, so there is – I don't think it's any pressure for them because if you don't get a quadruple, it's like, well, whatever, you know. No, yeah. Just having it as an option is pretty cool. Even a treble is – Yeah. The fans couldn't ask for more than that. Look, I okay. mean, yeah. fans couldn't ask more – I mean, to ask for a treble is absurd. But. Yeah. If you get a Premier League and then a trophy on that, like getting a double of any type – um not so, the community shield like josie claimed when he was at united though. oh fuck yeah no no that doesn't count it counts in your total <laughs> trophy hall but you don't count it in your i don't know just you don't put up three fingers after yeah. you know yeah whatever yeah oh he, he can enjoy his life as a pundit <laughs> is that yeah. what's gonna happen oh i don't probably? know I, he's he's done a few media appearances and whatever like he, he'll get another job I, i'm sure because someone will give him the money because he's a name and he probably he probably wants another shot to try and rebuild himself, but no, uh, I don't know. Just don't see him like catching on in England or America, which are you know some yeah pretty big markets for it. But yeah, yeah. Oh well. Um, do you have any other thoughts to add? I really don't. Uh, as an Arsenal fan right now, this is the year I thought we would have, and uh, I wanted to make this about the teams that actually have a chance to do something. <laughs> and Arsenal well, I- finishing in the top four is not doing something, so. Yeah, well, uh, so do you expect to finish in the top four? I'll throw, I I'll throw some questions say your way. I expect it, but I'd go 60-40 on it. I think. I guess, does that count as expecting it? That I do, 60-40. Yeah. I mean, it, I, it, is, it, up this it is a major help to, to building your team up back up again. I can say that as a Liverpool fan, being out of the Champions League is not... You kind of get into a perpetual cycle of trying to buy players that want to be in the Champions League. So, you, yeah. Getting back into it is... I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt us that United has to play away in Paris this week um, Yeah. before Arsenal plays them this weekend. So Yeah, I'm going to get up for that one, actually. I reckon that'll be good. And it's, and it's at the Emirates, so, you know, yeah. it'll be a big game in the top four race. All, I, all I'm hoping for is that United are actually... Uh, I need you guys to keep the pace up because United need to go... or They need to have City come to them with United actually having something to play for, because I don't want the United just rolling over. <laughs> they also play Chelsea four days after they play City um, in oh, April. So, Jesus. And they have West Ham. They do have West Ham in April. So as we've talked about, West Ham have been giant slayers this season. Um, yeah. You know, who knows? Yeah. On their schedule, they already have two games in July. So fuck them. They're playing Perth Glory. Oh, yeah. No, they're coming. To, they're playing Leeds and Perth. And Leeds. Yeah. yeah, Leeds. You know, yeah. Yeah, no, it's funny. Well, Australia is like putting it up as, oh, the powerhouses, Man United and Leeds. And like, oh, Leeds, okay. You, yeah, 40 years ago. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, that's what I was kind of wondering with, and we can save this for another pod, is like, yeah, City's on 
cities on this tear right now, but like in 40 years, will they be Leeds? Whereas like the major clubs are the major clubs. Yeah, well, I guess it depends if they can build up that. And that's why they're trying to get the Champions League wins and all that because they want to get that foundation of having a pedigree that they didn't have before. And I mean, they've been around for a long time, but they don't, yeah. So it'll, it'll depend on what they can do in the next five, 10 years when they've got that money backing them, how many trophies they can build, how many fan, how much of a fan base they can build. Because that's what, you know, Liverpool's fan base in Australia and around the world was built through the 60s, 70s and 80s mm. by being the best team in England um, in a, at a time when it was really hard to access it. So they were the team that were getting shown and that's what's held them up in the years since because there is such a, crazy fan base around the world same with united and arsenal as well um so chelsea do i mean recently yeah there's still not too many of them around chelsea kind of set the blueprint for a team like city yeah you still don't see too many chelsea jerseys around whereas i see arsenal i see there's so many chelsea fans in lincoln i can't even (laughs) there's more Bayern. there's more Bayern munich fans in lincoln than arsenal fans i think yeah so that's i mean that's cool to me and there's definitely more Barca and Real Madrid fans here, but oh, yeah, they're everywhere. I mean, any every city is different because, like, say you walk into the pub, you know, wanting to watch a match because you play FIFA, and there just happens to be a group of Liverpool fans there, you're probably going to end up liking Liverpool. And Liverpool definitely has the biggest support here, in, I think most places. It's yeah, just big, it's just a big club. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh well, I guess that one wraps it up for this one as well. We'll uh. We'll get back onto it um, a bit more regularly now, now that I've finally found my podcast host again and I feel good about where we're at. And Yeah. And, this is, yeah. and we have a good video connection, which is rare. Yeah, and no, I'm glad the FaceTime worked because Skype was giving me the, uh, the absolute. It was a... Uh, the business. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gives re- everybody the business. It's not yeah. good for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, until next time. Uh, well, this one was brought to you by wine because I know we both drink wine? it. So. <laughs> Until next time, stay sportsgasmic. Great.